You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. Do my prejudices influence communication of the gospel? What is my position as a Christian on mission? Is Christianity compatible with other religious expression? Is evangelism simply white colonization? Do all expressions of faith lead to the same ultimate outcome? We can boldly face the relativism that is influencing missions and overtaking the clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us as we discuss complex issues facing the local church as it serves Christ in obedience to the Great Commission. This is Mission of the Nations with host Grant Fawcett. All right, so we're here this morning with uh, Marilyn Brianne, our two student interns, hashtag apprentices. Asterisk. Asterisk apprentices. And uh, this is our first episode of Mission to the Nations, which is a podcast that we felt would be beneficial to the church. Um, When I have visited a lot of different places, I've been asked a lot of different questions uh, and engaged with people about a lot of different things with respect to missiology. Why, how, who, Uh, Sometimes those questions are informed by theology and a good desire for uh, obedience, and sometimes those questions are informed by racism or prejudice or complacency. And so it's our hope at Arrowhead Radio to address these things in a way that will help to answer some of those things by having conversations with people who are involved in missions and who have thought about these things uh, and look to scripture for some of those answers. So, Marilyn and Brienne are here to talk today with us about being youngish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and interested in missions and why. Why on earth would they ever want to do that? And what would ever inspire them to work with a person who is borderline senile? <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for an adjective. Thanks for filling that hole. No problem. Um, so welcome guys, and, uh, why don't you start off by introducing yourselves and, uh, saying some things that are not useless. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a really hard task uh, that you've put to us. I know, that's why I have to be explicit. I'm, I'm going first, not because I don't... Value? Value you. Yes. I'm just going first because I'm a man. Um, <laughs> I just acquiesced to you anyways. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you just acquiesced. Okay. That's- Super. You might have to cut that. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably not going <laughs> to. Okay. Uh, my name is Meryl Green. I hail from Argyle, Nova Scotia. Nobody knows where that is, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, Nobody knows where it is, so they named five towns the same thing. Right. To, <laughs> to try to get exactly. people pinpointed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What did you want to know? What do you want to know about me? Well, I mean, your story is that you were in school for 700 years. Yeah. And then... <laughs> <laughs> after accumulating an inordinate amount of debt, decided to become mm. a missionary, and and I think that that's an interesting story. Okay, and uh, so let's let's hear. Well, you bit just told it. my story. Well, I, okay. Well, here's yeah. I uh, didn't. Yeah, so. no, it's fine. Uh, okay, let me think here. Well, I was not in school for seven hundred years. I've been in school for this is eleven the eleventh year. Technically, Wait, you forgot. Were you born at a young age, or <gasps> I was born at an old <laughs> age. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Brienne with the dad jokes. Yeah. That's good. Not even mom jokes, because they're that bad. They're just dad <laughs> jokes. Um, 
Yeah, I went to Bible school for two years, and then I went to other school for eight years, and that sucked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then I accumulated a bunch of debt, like you said, like $70,000. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And nice. I never thought I'd go into missions because every missionary I ever met was really rude <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> and also, based on what they ever told me, hadn't done a whole lot in the last 30 years. Uh, so the idea of going into missions was never in like my range of possibilities or thoughts. It's interesting, because I mean, that's the same experience I had to a certain extent. When I finished Bible school, missions was... It wasn't even that I wasn't thinking about it. I was thinking about it. And I was thinking, never in a million years yeah. do I want to be that thing. And yet, here we sit. Yeah. Yeah, kind of funny. It's almost like running away from God is the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah, it's almost like providence is a thing. Yeah. So we have Meryl, <laughs> and he's living in the nest cabin. I am. It's here, very quaint. Here at Arrowhead. And it often smells like cumin or curry when I go visit him. Mm-hmm. That's true. It is. Yeah. So, Brienne, your story. Why are you at a rival Bible camp, Bible center from <laughs> the one that you grew up a part of. Your father would be so <laughs> disappointed in you. <laughs> He'll be even more disappointed when he listens to this podcast. <laughs> um, well, my parents are Bible camp directors also. And some people, when I tell them here, when, when over the summer, I told them, oh yeah, my parents are camp directors. They're like, well, what are you doing here? Like, why aren't you there? And it's a little bit of an interesting process. Um, I also went to Bible school for four years, and then for the past three years, I worked at a group home. Well, I worked, and then the past little bit, I worked at a group home. And through some interesting series of events, the Lord was jostling me in from my comfort and feeling like, okay, maybe I don't want to stay here much longer, and also bringing me to... Uh, relationships which were um, helping me become more submissive to the Lord and all these things. And then I'm the Lord just started telling me, okay, what something else is coming next. And sometimes I couldn't tell if I just wanted to, to not have night shifts anymore or if I really, if the Lord was really calling me. And then like, Unfortunately, Meryl is part of this story. (laughs) I just can't let it go to his head, though, so don't listen to Mm. this part. Um, (laughs) He uh, messaged me in, like, March. He had no idea that what I was doing, let alone if I would be open to coming to work at the camp. Sorry, center for the camp season. (laughs) And then (laughs) he just told me about some of the intern positions that were going to needing to be filled for the summer. And um, I, through a couple other things, I took that, okay, so this is the opportunity that has been made known to me. I guess this is what I'll do. And at the beginning of May, I gave notice to my boss at the group home and also to my um, landlord at my first apartment. And then I packed up my things again for the second time in six months. And... uh, (laughs) Move down here and um, just trying to seek the Lord's will by doing what's in front of me next. So when when I moved here, I didn't know what I would be doing after camp, which was kind of I didn't think about it a lot because there's a lot going on during camp, <laughs> you know, a lot of immediate needs. Um, 
And I didn't even think that it would come at down as close to the wire as it did because another opportunity came up like moments after I decided, okay, I'll do the, this internship at Arrowhead for the year. And another thing came up where I had to, you know, do, 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 do diligence <laughs> to make <laughs> do sure. Do due diligence. Yeah. I like, my favorite I kind like, of diligence. Yeah, do due diligence <laughs> is the best kind of diligence. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that that wasn't the Lord's leading by bringing that to my attention. Anyways, um, my thought process a lot behind staying here is I, I, there are needs here. Why do I need to go searching all over the globe for needs other places mm-hmm. when there's stuff to do right where I am? So yeah, we're seeing what that, how this will play into the grand scheme of the rest of my life. But anyways. Yeah, she's missing the important part where we brought her to Manitoba and harassed her for a week <laughs> until she made a decision. Everyone in That's NCEM yeah. harassed Also, me. just That's for the true. record, me and Bran are not together. <laughs> yeah. that That's a story we could maybe tell without names. Yeah. But <laughs> I did feel that it might be beneficial for you guys to come to NCEM's general conference. And so... Um, because my family wasn't going, I asked if the mission would allow me to bring y'all along. And we went to Pinoa, Manitoba, which is an abandoned nuclear research facility an hour and a half north of Winnipeg. And we He's all... He's not exaggerating. We crashed. There's a plaque. Yeah. There's a plaque and a giant sundial. And, uh, yeah, we went there for a week. And, and it was kind of my hope that we would meet some people that would also encourage them with respect to missions, specifically, you know, NCEM and Arrowhead. And that was sort of what happened. But we had some, you know, amusing interactions as well. We met Quakel. I like Quakel. <laughs> Quakel, if you're listening to this, you're, you're the bomb. Yeah. And uh, she, she, what, re- what? she, I think she was instrumental in, you know, you guys. Well, don't listen. That's not true. Don't you, let it go to your head. You yeah. played no role whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Should we out her real name or just... No, <laughs> we just call her Quakel. Quakel. We love Her, her we real love fans Quakel. will know. We love all you guys. We do love Quakel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's going to make her day. Well, you know, we, we'd love for her to come out here next summer, so... She wants to. Yeah, and permanently. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you. We'll hold your horses. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Rough Riders out here, so... <laughs> oh, oh, that's a really big hint. Or is it everyone's a Rough Rider fan? Is I there? think, it, yeah. Okay. If you, if, it's good. It's if you good. live in the prairies and you're not a Rough Rider fan, <laughs> you, you have to do so in secret, I think. That's kind it's of like it. being a leper. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I don't follow organized sports because, you know, idolatry. But <laughs> I, I tried to explain that to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, conference was really good. But Marilyn and Brianne were asked... By almost everyone, like they a met. dozen people, yeah. and then all the people that didn't speak to us that were making assumptions. Yeah. I don't even want to know. Yeah. Mar- Brienne was, in fact, eating lunch with Marilyn and I at one point, and someone sat down and was having a, c- a con- conversation. Was not present. It's oh, true. he wasn't. I was asleep. Okay. Oh, okay. So Brienne and I were having breakfast yes. with with Yun. I think Yun was having breakfast with us, maybe, because uh, I, I was talking to him. Anyway, Sorry. someone joined us and was having a nice conversation with Brienne with and, me, and a then woman. In, in, oh, <laughs> in the midst of the conversation, turned to me and asked me if her and Meryl were together instead mm. of uh, just asking. It was very awkward. And then Brianne said, are you going to ask me or? And I said, <laughs> like, well, they've been married for four years. So, and then I said, no, actually they can't even, 
get along. They didn't even, I had to sit between them on the plane. I left that person relatively confused. Yes, he was very but confused. Uh, I, 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 I feel a little guilty because I don't know if we ever corrected that <clears throat> issue or not. But anyway, they're not together. They're no. friends. We're all friends. Yeah, we're all, I well. Think. For the record. Yeah. So at any time in the future when I'm unsure about the, um, if there's friendship here, I'll just listen to this podcast. Yeah, to just, remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just be like, okay, guys, go listen to episode 32 or whatever this is. Mm. I thought if, you said it was 21. No. Oh, 21, right. I don't know. I listen to be. you, Grant. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> what you say matters to us. I think we need to flesh this out for people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's unpack <laughs> So Grant is really insecure. <laughs> and every time he says something, he repeats himself like four times. And yeah. me and Brian look at each other and say, we've heard this somewhere before. Yeah. And he will <laughs> say, well, I have to repeat myself because people don't listen to me the first time. So okay. now he wants us to say, when, he, when we hear him, to say... We hear you. Yeah. I, I think that after that little diatribe, everyone knows where the insecurities lie. <laughs> in Marcus, yes. <laughs> Marcus is here uh, in the podcast studio. He's not talking, but as a 40, he's a beast. As a 41-year-old gray-haired man, <laughs> I've come to realize that young people don't listen. Yeah. It's just a thing. You millennials in your selfishness. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be so confused listening to this. No, like, I think... is about I, missions? Yeah, well, we're we're talking about real things and real people. That's and true. The journey that you guys have come on to come here. I think that the thing that people forget about is that evangelism and missions have to be relational. Mm -hmm. You have to have relationship with people, and we've got a relationship going on. And uh, I think it's important. You guys have moved here, and we live in the middle of the woods, and Marcus and Cameron live in a ginormous city. You know, <laughs> ten miles away, but uh, you know, I think we've got to be able to to laugh together and get along together because we're trying to work together, and uh, we have a lot of different things that it's we're trying that to do. Better that we laugh together than laugh by ourselves. That's true. Yes, mm -hmm. sometimes I'll sit in the mall and just laugh, <laughs> and people look at me funny. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, <laughs> look at that man sitting in the food court just laughing. laughing. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, so you guys have moved here and, and we're, we're doing a lot of different things. Marcus and Cameron are involved in some stuff with you guys and you're involved in stuff with me. But um, what do you hope to get out of this? I mean, I know you've said you don't know. Kinda, right. And that's kind of allowed, I think. Thanks. <laughs> mm. I give you permission to not know. Thank you, <laughs> leader man. <laughs> but what do you hope, Meryl? What do, what do you want to get out of this Thing. And what are we doing? We need to talk, tell it people what we're doing. It isn't always just what I can get out of it. It's about what I can get. Well, you know what? I'm joking. If I stop no, having good feelings, I'm going to leave. Time out. What? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> if I stop having good feelings. <laughs> I'm going to just quit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, but I think, you know, that was meant to be a joke, but I think mm -hmm. you hit on something. Yeah. There. Like that's, I think that there's something very true, like coming to missions isn't and, and evangelism isn't really about what we can get out of it, I suppose. But at the end of the day, I think we have goals and aspirations that, that we hope to see achieved. And I think that if we're obedient in a real way, that those are from God. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think like for me, like what I want to get out of it is in terms of... There's a long pause. That's all right. Marcus will make a note. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, while he's on his phone. <laughs> 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 
Well, he's not playing Clash of Clans. That's so what's that's... A, yeah, that's important. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair. He can't even defend himself. <laughs> I know. It's like screw you, Marcus. <laughs> you based. Okay. <laughs> I have to. I have to know what I'm gonna get out of this. I don't even know anymore. Okay. Uh, well, I've always been like drawn and equipped to work with difficult people. And wow, that's super. <laughs> yeah, is that a reflection of this current arrangement? Dynamic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, just, I'm just here to be a blessing to you people. Uh, people yes. are gonna listen to this and be like, "He's so arrogant." <laughs> yeah. Well, shut up. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, good thing we're not live. Uh, I'm alive. I don't even know how this is going to get edited. I don't know. I'll edit it for you. People are going to listen to this, the first episode of Mission uh, of the Nations, and it's going to be the last one. Yeah. I'm out. I'm not. No, 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 no. Okay, to be serious, though. um, What I want to get out of this internship is, like, to understand First Nations culture, to understand um, concepts of, like, honor and shame, to understand how to love um, them as a community, uh, to be like empathetic to what they're experiencing and so that I can share the gospel with them in a way that is meaningful to them. Uh, and just to like better equip myself for if wherever I go next in life, um, I'll be equipped, especially just to deal with the loneliness. Mm. Like living in the middle of the woods is really hard sometimes, especially on the weekends where no one wants to hang out. <laughs> so I don't know. Those are type of some of the goals, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I think a lot of the principles that Meryl's talking about apply sort of broad spectrum to missions in general. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time, I mean, maybe this can be a part of the conversation today, but a lot of the time um, missions becomes this g- uh, goal-oriented product instead of a obedience-oriented process. Hmm. Does that sound fair? Like, uh, there seems to be this relationship between missions and the church that has developed that is uh, codependent. Churches have missions programs, and I know you're not supposed to, I'm not trying to be overly critical, I'm just, this is a general statement, but so often churches can have missions programs that they're not engaged with. Um, The goal is that the program be accomplished. We have these missionaries, we're going to support them financially. End of the story is right there. And then the missionaries want to be supported so that they can work. And so they'll interact with the church in whatever way the church wants so that, that they can be out doing the work. And there's no, that's sort of the beginning and end of it. The goal is to have a missionary on the field. It's not right. to see that missionary obediently sharing the gospel in a long-term kind of a way. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, you know, your heart's desire right now is for First Nations ministry and to do it in a relational, healthy, impacting way. But I think that that part of the spirit of the ministry here at Arrowhead is that we can help encourage local churches to have that same spirit, that they'll want personally to be involved in missions and not simply want to pay a missionary to do the mission. So mm. when we even when we have teams come to volunteer in the summer, we try to use the language of you're coming to do ministry and we're enabling and equipping you to do that. So your church is doing the ministry and we're just, you're not coming to help us do a ministry. You're coming to do a ministry and we're helping you. Right. And that might sound kind of equivocal 
like we're splitting hairs, but I think it's an important distinction. And I think that the attitude of that is something that we really want to inspire, even with podcasts. The power just blinked. Uh-oh. Did, uh, are we still recording? Okay. <laughs> That'll be fun. Great. Anyway. That was a sign. You were talking too long. Yeah. <coughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking about church stuff, and obviously that the, the door just blew open. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are ghosts on the property. Yeah. Obviously. Um, <laughs> thinking about my church um, upbringing, and aside from the fact that my parents are in ministry and we have um, been been living off of faith support for my entire life and that kind of thing. Um, my church has for probably its entire existence been very focused on missions. We have a missions committee that is very devoted to making sure that our um, missionaries that we are supporting are taken care of. And every April we have like a four day conference where um, the missionaries are in people's homes for every meal. They're billeted. On top of that, there are <coughs> many different events. And growing up, I really look forward to those times because uh, there was also children's um, uh, sessions with missionaries. And I, um, I, there was a couple of ladies that recently retired from the, from the mission field and have been ar- around our church. And I told them about something specific that I remembered that they taught me from when they were here when I was probably like eight years old. So I have, it's been like ingrained in me about the importance of missions. So um, as far as like my peer group, I probably am not part of like, I'm more of an anomaly than what is actually true for the most of the demographic. Right. Because I have had the opportunity to see so many different missions and uh, foreign and um, ones that are, in Canada and in New Brunswick even. Mm. So I've had an opportunity to see multiple different types of ministries and be part of multiple different types of ministries. So um, for some people, they are just like, oh, of course Brian's ending up in missions. Like this was (laughs) inevitable. (laughs) But um, the way that I like to look at it, where I don't know yet if the Lord is going to call me to uh, vocational ministry where I where it's my job, or if the Lord is um, using this season to um, to deepen my reliance upon Him and to become more obedient in all the areas, and even just becoming aware of um, what is going on behind the scenes so that wherever I end up, I am being a missionary. It kind of sounds like uh, cliche, but that there's that song, Be a Missionary Every Day. We used to sing that. God's own emissary, it's the way. <laughs> so <laughs> that sometimes is like, yeah, 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 every Christian is supposed to be a missionary, but like, it's actually, that's true. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. right. But we don't apply that, right? Because no. we, we live Personally, in the cliche instead yeah. of actually applying the reality of that. Or we make the gospel Tupperware. Hashtag. Hashtag, we make the gospel Tupperware. I think Blog that... Blog post coming soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I, I have been thinking about that because we make the gospel a product. Right. We make the gospel a thing that we're trying to sell. And because of that, when we start thinking about missions or evangelism 
or discipleship, we think about what can this product do for the person we're trying to sell it to? And then, and then that's how we present it. Here's this thing and here's what it can do for you. Why you you want it. Yeah. And that's not how the gospel is presented in scripture. The gospel is presented as here's Jesus Mm -hmm. and here's why you need him and here's what he's done and and it will change your life and there's no other choice but to obey him mm-hmm. but that's but we don't we don't work in the process of discipling people or evangelizing them we go right to the product and we buy tim horton's gift cards and we stand in the entrance of a mall and we try to trick people into talking to us by giving them a coffee mm-hmm. and then then we've created this framework of sales instead of mm. instead of a relationship of communicating the gospel and i think mm-hmm. i think it's dangerous and and i think it leads to this idea of well oh those guys are doing evangelism so now i can just go to church on sunday and i don't have to worry about being uncomfortable and having those conversations and i mean even i am guilty of it i was i told the story last night at prayer meeting about being on a plane recently and wanting to just put on my headphones and not talk to humans that's not how God <laughs> intends us to live in the world, right? Like we're meant to be living in the world and doing missions with the people that are around us. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean, because I think some people take that and apply it in a really dangerous ways too, right? I don't mean we're supposed to corner every cashier and get them in trouble because we're talking to them for 20 minutes about something they're not probably interested in, but they could feel compelled to listen to you because... <laughs> because of the relationship that exists there. I, I mean, taking the time over years to develop the trust and, 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 and share the gospel in a way that's appropriate. And yeah, it's like, think, it's like you were saying. Matt. Yeah. Well, I think like what you were saying earlier about kind of like when churches are just uh, having missionaries for the sake of having missionaries and like having the gospel just be like Tupperware and having a product. I think a lot of churches treat missionaries like products as well. Mm. Like they're a pet that you just feed once in a while and you don't really <laughs> like, yeah, T- you know you don't do much with it. <laughs> but it's there because oh, we have a dog and, and it's nice. Yeah, but I think that I think and I think that's true. But I think the thing that gets forgotten is that if a church is supporting a ministry, that's their ministry, right? And they have a responsibility to ensure that that ministry is obedient and scriptural. Uh, I had a visit this spring from a, a pastor and an elder that wanted to ensure that we're being obedient and scriptural. That's good. That's only good. And I think more churches should be worried about that. I know there's a parachurch that operates in Canada here. And I I was speaking to someone who's from that parachurch and they said, our missionaries are encouraged not to be supported by churches because we don't want our missionaries to have to be accountable to the local church. That is anti-biblical. Quite something that that is actually articulated, not just... Yeah, they they teach no, they teach that Hmm. like that. They teach it to their missionaries, and uh, to me, that's really toxic because I think we're meant to be accountable to the local church, and I think the church has a responsibility to make their missionaries accountable. But it it doesn't always happen like you're talking about in your church. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think so often it's just. It's just a thing that we do so we can feel good. And mm-hmm. I, I know it's it's not something you often hear missionaries say, I, I, and I'm not trying to be critical of God's church, but I just think that it's something we should think about as local churches in mission, that, that it's it's more serious than that, right? Like yeah. We've got young people, millennials, 
what you're saying about interested in missions, relations with missionaries and just everything's about being relationships. Um, it is part of this culture to like want things fast, you know, um, instant gratification. And I, I think that's even part of my personality. I like, like I am always in a hurry or I want small goals instead of long-term goals, like all these things. So like sometimes I want to, the things to be happening now, 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 now. And even just the past um, month and a half being here, um, that's not how real life works. That's mm. not how real missions works. And of course I've known that. Like I've heard countless stories of people who have been faithfully having, for example, international students in their homes for Bible studies for years with Muslims and, 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 and other religions and 20 years, 30 years still not seeing one convert. So like, I know that's a thing, mm. but to like be experiencing it. And then um, also similarly where we're long, relationships are meant to be for the long term as far as um, um, bringing people to know the Lord. It takes time. Um, I've been also thinking about that with, with fundraising because this book that we're reading, Funding Your Ministry, it's just like, it really could have just been one page. Like, talk to real people <laughs> with your face and see their face, yeah. you know? <laughs> and like, it's yeah. like, dang, I really was hoping it would say, the most effective way to get money is social media. Passive-aggressive Facebook posts. <laughs> or something yeah. way easier, right? But if that's I not sure what it is. I sure wish I had <laughs> enough money for food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dang, Grant's gonna kick me out any second. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So it's like, just, okay, everything's relationships. It's just, you know, relationships with, uh, between us and God, between other Christians, between unbelievers. It's like that's what it always comes back to. That's the way that God has ordered it to be, and that's to work against it is like making more work for yourself. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it flies. It's sort of like the book we've started reading together. Um, that's talking about honor shame cultures mm -hmm. but when you look at at our culture as being and and those cultures being collectivistic and ours being individualistic mm -hmm. we tend to think in different terms even when it comes to funding your ministry or building your support team mm -hmm. or sending missionaries out right it it we don't think in terms of the capital c church i mean the bride of christ mm -hmm. not like a, a de denomination but the bride of Christ, we're interacted with by our heavenly father as a collective, the church, and we're given commands as a collective, but we all live within that as individuals. Mm -hmm. And in our culture, we all think individually and we're all thinking about what's the best thing for me, what's the best thing for my family. Right. And we don't, and we have to do, we have to functionally do work to think differently than then our brains are wired to think in our culture. Right, even recognizing how we are thinking. Right. As automatic. As, yeah, as Christians, we're living in an individualistic culture, but the culture of Scripture and the culture of the church that has been developed by God is collective. So we can't just go to church and sit in the pew and go home. That's not how it's meant to be. But mm -hmm. And we, ha we can't approach missions that way either. It, like, and, but... That's a hard, those are hard things to consider. I, like I even create some tensions when I visit churches because so often I'm asked how many kids get saved. We want to quantify mm -hmm. the ministry based on 
our culture's measuring sticks and the measuring stick being how much money did you receive? How many weeks of camps did you operate? How many kids came through your doors Mm -hmm. and how many got saved? That's Mm -hmm. how you measure success. We try to measure success by how obedient we were. Did the gospel get taught? Mm -hmm. Was was it understood? And, and the way we can't know really how it's understood by another person, but we can measure a little bit how it's understood by seeing what questions the kids are asking. Do, right. they, do they understand what's being taught by asking questions that are relevant to what's being taught? <laughs> and if they accept or reject the message, that's not in our control either. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So if they accept the gospel as taught to them and their lives are changed and the Holy Spirit makes them new, we celebrate with Mm -hmm. them. And if not, we start over. And that's how we measure success. But in our individualistic society, counting the number of converts is how you measure success. And I think that those are failings that, that have sort of been born out of this codependency with missions, right? Like, like we, we have a, a responsibility and an opportunity to do missions and evangelism well. And part of that, I think, is ministering to the church, serving the church, equipping, enabling, supporting, and thinking differently about this thing that we're doing Hmm. and who's doing it and why and how and all that. Well, that's one of the things that really drew me to Arrowhead was just having that paradigm shift. I remember my first year here learning about, like, we're not here to manipulate children. We're not here to manipulate people into believing in the gospel. And then something in my head just clicked and I realized every other ministry I've ever been a part of, that was the goal. Mm-hmm. It was to get the kids or get the person you're talking to, to recite these words. Mm-hmm. And then you were successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was working at places, all the kids would get saved the first couple days. And then next year they would come again and do the same thing. Well, I think one of the alarming things for me is that we would, I mean, it was said one time by one of the campers that was here Tell your cabin leader you're a Christian on Tuesday and they'll leave you alone mm. for the rest of the week. Wow. That is indicative of a, of a problem. Yeah. To, me, to me, that's a red flag that there's something. And so we started analyzing what we're doing and how and why. And we had one week when there were only three kids here for teen camp. And that was a big moment for me, realizing that that's not failure because God brought them here. And I need to recognize that God brought 20 Christians here to teach these three kids about himself and that we need to celebrate that as success. Mm. So I can't measure it based on the way, but still it's a conversation that we're going to have to have for a long time. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you often say is like how, when we present the gospel, it just, it creates tension by its very nature. Mm -hmm. And we use that in reference to usually the people we're witnessing to. Mm -hmm. I think that's also true of the church. Mm -hmm. So when we present the gospel and a church looks at that and said, something's not, doesn't quite fit with my paradigm that I have. Mm-hmm. That's a way for, we can speak into the local church as well and say like, maybe the gospel that you're presenting isn't that of scripture. Maybe it's the way you're going about it um, is faulty. Mm-hmm. Right. And so a lot of times if people get mad at the way we present script or present the gospel here um, is a reflection of that tension. Mm. That's very true. I think. Um, mm. Yeah. And, and I think we just need to continue being faithful irrespective of, of what's going on. And scripture needs to just always be high and Christ needs to be at the middle. Yep. You know, that's kind of how we, we feel about it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited that you guys are here and that you guys are looking at launching a kids club with Marcus and Cameron. And 
that we're looking at having a winter retreat for some of the kids that were on the camping trip this summer. And I, you know, I'm hoping we can do a winter camp. We've talked about that as well on March break. And, and to me, that's really exciting that we can have ongoing mm -hmm. ministries because it's taking the time to spend with those kids and investing in them and in those relationships, that's going to give us the opportunity to talk to them about the life changing impact of Christ, you know, and, and the, the permanent, uh, an exclusive relationship that can be found in Jesus. Yeah. So for you guys, how has the fundraising portion been going? Um, I know that that can be a big challenge and, and it can take a long time. For Liz and I, we've been here for 11 years and we find that funding goes up and down. Um, sometimes it's up nicely and sometimes it's way down and that can be hard. Mm. Uh, we came here completely debt-free uh, and we now have a debt that's much more significant than I would, than I'm comfortable with. And we've been really working to try and get rid of that. But um, there was a time when missionaries didn't have the opportunity to have a credit line and have debt when they couldn't buy food. And I think that there was something that we've missed maybe in the whole faith aspect of that, um, that we've really been trying to establish for ourselves. Because if, you know, if you can just borrow $200 out of your credit line this month to buy food, you don't have to engage with the Lord in prayer, perhaps as sincerely as you might. But how have you guys been finding that? I mean, it's pretty intense at times, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'll go first, I guess. I had more time to raise money than Brianne did. Uh, but one of the things that surprised me the most was the people I did not think would support me were the ones who are the most generous. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the reverse was true. Mm -hmm. um, I think the hardest thing is asking people in general, because that fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. uh, and I always remembered something, um, another camp director, Christine Long, used to tell me, she's like, people want to help you. And that's always really stuck with me. And so it's less about pitching your idea and more about sharing your heart and like, this is my testimony. This is where God's brought me. And people are way more receptive to that than saying, hey, could you support me for you know how much this month? Uh, mm -hmm. I really need it, right? So it's less about pleading and begging and more about sh allowing them to share in the same work as you. Yeah, mm. so that's been really helpful for me, I think. Yeah, I um, I'm definitely not even close to over 50% support or anything like that. Yeah. Hint, hint. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, but just reading the our, a book that we're, we're doing right now together has been really helpful because it is what kind of what you said earlier, just just ask people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was a book that NCEM recommended and sent down, mm -hmm. I think, right? yeah. from Cindy. Yeah. yeah. Well, what was it called and who's it by? Let's tell the world. Uh, Funding Your Ministry by Scott Morton. Good. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seems to be a good resource. Yeah, highly I recommend. know Mark and Cameron read it and Cameron said that it was very helpful mm -hmm. uh, for them as well. And uh, so that's real. I think that's really good. Yeah, personally, um, again, this is just like a shout out to my church in Sussex that went over the course of my adult life, whenever I would either be raising support to work at camp in the summer before I graduated, um, raising support for missions trips when I was in Bible school or now, um, they have always been so supportive of me and ladies would tell me whenever I'm there, like I'm praying for you and they would like hand me cash and or and um lots of people asking me about how things are going and 
Um, and it's, it's really cool to see the, um, all the different ways that support happens. You know, it's not just about the money and it's not just about the prayers. It's not just about having a church that is behind me, all those things working together. And like a lot of these people have seen me since I was five or six years old when I first moved there. So they've seen Braddy Brianne and now they've seen... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's who process. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so they've seen this process and, um, and I've been able to share with them and just like... And, and Grant, you talk a lot about the importance of parachurch organizations being submitted to the church and I have um, a pastor and his wife that... Um, are almost like another set of parents to me. So it, it's kind of a easy. I don't want to say easy, but it, it's I have people there that I feel comfortable submitting to. Mm. I know that they love me, and I know that they care about the gospel and the authority of scripture, and that um, they want... Honestly, I could actually be doing anything, <laughs> and my church would be supportive of me. But just so happens right now that it's missions. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, it, it's pretty cool to see that in action. Mm. Yeah. It's so it's fun to see like when the money comes in because it's always exactly when you need it. Right. Like the amount that's there, or like people just when you're waiting for the next paycheck and then someone just hands you something. Mm -hmm. It's like ah, oh, I like I couldn't pay my phone bill. I couldn't do this, and then it happens. It's really encouraging. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I, it's interesting that you got, I'm, I'm working with a bunch of millennials, you know, you and Brienne and Marcus and Cameron are all young in your twenties mm -hmm. and Liz and I are in our forties and I've had this impression and maybe you guys need to answer this for me and for the world. Um, <laughs> I've had the impression that, um, giving to missions in this kind of, uh, framework. So the way missions has been set up for many, 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 many decades, churches and individuals give money to a mission board. The mission board sends that money to the missionary after taking a cut, and that cut is used to run the mission board head office, usually, or that kind of thing. My impression has been that most millennials don't give in that way. Mm. Most of our donors are Generation X or older, baby boomers and seniors and so is that a reality do baby boomer or do uh, millennials not give or are they giving in different ways are they more prone to traveling like, or are those just stereotypes that i have become we have to speak for all millennials impacted of? yep broad strokes it's time difficult because people don't talk about these things mm, right. like i don't say so what's up and then they don't reply oh yeah i just donated some money to this organization. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's like, um, I think you're doing it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> right, right. So I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I mean, there's this overall um, sentiment, at least in like internet culture, that mm. millennials don't have enough money in general because of the economy. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people like... Um, like I don't have, a, I can barely pay my bills. How can I give kind of thing? Yeah. But Functional poverty. Yeah. Except that well, everybody, yeah. everybody's playing like whatever. 
World of Warcraft. I don't know. Everybody Everybody has you know cell phones and right. internet bills, and they're going on vacations to Disneyland and all that. Stuff. Yeah, like so. a lot of a lot of people are backpacking, and you know. Mm. So I wonder if it's that just our culture is developing in the same way that Rome did, and mm-hmm. our needs and our wants <laughs> are getting sort of blurred together, or is it that we're just is the whole framework of how missions is done somehow dysfunctional in that or, or what? I mean, is there, I know there are some churches out there that are starting to think, oh, we're going to send a missionary and fully support one missionary. And that'll be that. Hmm. I think there's something healthy in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the older generation, my observation has been because millennials are more into social media and like broadcasting what they're doing. If millennials want to donate, they see the immediate, fruit of that so we have facebook pages we have all these different newsletters and stuff and they see it all the time whereas older generations seem to me they don't need to see that all the time like they're satisfied Mm. when you come to their church and speak Mm -hmm. Mm. and so i think that if there's not enough that's interesting like evidence that their money's doing something millennials are less likely to donate well and even on the front end like i put a qr code we just sent out our letter to fundraise for our new chapel project and on the support form that most Gen Xers and baby boomers will understand. You fill out your credit card information, send it in. I also put a QR code so people could donate with PayPal immediately. And that was sort of me trying to Mm -hmm. communicate with millennials, Mm -hmm. I I guess. I don't know. And maybe that's dysfunctional. But I I always thought, you know, we've been directing at Arrowhead since 2011. And I thought, okay, we've had all these people here that are starting to fall in love with this ministry and they come back year after year. They're going to get our mailings and then they're going to become financial supporters of Arrowhead. And it doesn't really work that way. No, Most of these young people, once they grow up and they go and they start working, they I don't know if they forget about what we're doing or if they're just quietly still in love with it far away, but it, it doesn't translate that way. Mm. It, it doesn't seem to anyway. Just an observation. I don't know. Yeah. That's hard. Because I think that it's... Millennials tend, I feel like, don't show love by giving money. It's, sometimes it is by they just forgot that right. this is a way they can contribute. But yeah. they tend to contribute. They want to be involved in having their time yeah. used, right? I think, like, quality time... Is much more important. Okay, than Gary giving. Chapman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My love languages. Uh, but no, I think that's I think that's relatively true. They want to like millennials want to see that they're making a difference, and if they're not involved, then they don't think there is one being produced, hmm. unless they're supporting someone specifically and they see the result every day. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So most that? most of the people I've talked to have always told me, I'm so glad that you do these Facebook updates like almost every day. Yeah. I hate when I just get like one letter from a missionary every five years or mm-hmm. something. Hmm. Right? Yeah. That's yeah interesting. That's, how has that impacted you guys? I mean, you're communicating. It's almost like cross-cultural communicating. Mm-hmm. The, it is. The generational thing, right? Like How I talk to millennials, like my peers, and the way I talk to older generations about fundraising is completely different. So right now we're talking to older generations. The beginning of this podcast was for millennials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with, with millennials, they have a different sense of humor. They like being asked in a like goofy way. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, of course I'll give to you. Well, but, I've mm-hmm. seen some of your thank you notes. Meryl. Yes. 
And mm-hmm. I know that you draw caricatures of your donors. I do. If you want to know <laughs> what Grant is referring to, you'll have to... Donate to Meryl. Yeah. Donate to Meryl, yeah. <laughs> Brand will draw you a picture. He'll send you a hand-drawn picture. <laughs> <Yes>. So, <laughs> like, one of the first days, I was writing some thank you notes for supporters from the summer, and Meryl messaged me, and he's like, do you have thank you cards, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I have this, like, notepad that has a puppy on it. It's cute. It's nice. That's what I have. So that's what I'm using. And he's like, um, yeah, I'm looking for something a little bit more professional. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a little hurt because it's like, how, what is wrong with my puppy paper? <laughs> and then I come into the office and I see him sitting on the love seat in Grant's office with literally just printer paper and markers. <laughs> and <laughs> Not professional by any standard. I was like, what are you, what? <laughs> I mean, it should have been a red flag when Meryl said professional, but... <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, they're beautiful, and I think they get pinned on bulletin boards across the land. They do. People love them. People like personalized yeah. thank you cards. Speaking of personalized thank you cards, yeah. you guys have an Endeavor... Uh, Okay, we're going to be sending Christmas cards. We'll be sending something in, in the neighborhood of 750 Christmas cards that we are all going to personally sign. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So everyone who's on our mailing list will be receiving a hand-signed, painted by the lovely Sandy Colleen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Christmas card. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. artistry. Yeah. Which is, it'll and take us, look forward you to. know, probably a whole afternoon. Millennials also do like receiving mail. That's true. Yeah. It's, Email is it's cheap. novel. Yeah, not, yeah, it's it's like um, rotary telephones and records. Millenn- it's a, it's a hipster. It's thing. hipster culture. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Snail mail is hipster culture. Yeah. <laughs> I was pretending to not knowing to not know what those are, technologies were. But yeah, I spend a lot of my life trying to be a hipster by accident. For all those who are listening, I I like vinyl. So if you have a record collection that you'd like to you know donate to a missionary, I'd be happy to go through it. He's telling the truth when he says it's uh, accidental. Am I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't try to be anything other than what I like. Yeah. Yeah. No, we like that about you. Okay. We love you, Grant. Oh. Yeah. Well, we that's affirm very you. affirming. You. We see you. We hear you. <laughs> and what you say matters. When I to go me. other places and oh, Marcus people, is telling us to hurry up. And people... No, he's telling us to stop. Oh. <laughs> he's done buying his gun that he was <laughs> <laughs> buying on his phone. Face. He just bought a gun on his phone. Yeah. It's time for us to stop. Okay. But I think this has been good. I'm really glad that uh, that you guys were my first guests for this uh, program and that we, we covered a broad range of topics, but I'm hoping we'll address them all in a little more depth with a variety of guests over the next you know months. But uh, thanks for, for doing this. Maybe we'll get you on again for an episode after three or four months and mm-hmm. you guys are a little more jaded and less... Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit more like Grant. Fresh hope, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and well, I'm the jaded example that you guys are here to follow. Here's the thing. Stay tuned, everyone, because me and Brianne are coming out with our own podcast. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the and are going to be... Gu- while the, the cat's away, the mice play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Ciao. Peace. This has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio, a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center. Visit our website at arrowheadnbc.com for more information. Look for a new episode next week wherever you find your favorite podcasts.